0: Start, John, yeah? I want to look at restoring purity in the vine this morning. We want to keep on our course and our direction of going from clean to pure. This is something that I'm not letting go of because I believe every believer needs to be clean and pure. And normally this time of the year, a preacher comes and he's telling you about the goals for the year But hey, this is our goal. This is our goal. Keeping clean and pure before God. This is our goal. Don't need a management slogan. I don't need you to talk about vision to get you hyper. You're going to get, when you go back to work, you're going to get all that. That's why authentic sonship will become strategic to us. So we're pushing through the things that God wants. But last series, uh, we talked about from in clean to pure. We looked at the purity of of, uh, following a specific, highway leading to Zion we said that your Christianity is either a heart walk do you remember or it's a hard walk so many Christians have got a hard walk when they should be having a heart walk your Christianity is not a walk of flesh it's a walk of the heart God's doing a work in in your heart so that you walk out what he's working in amen and we, re- we looked at, on this pathway called holiness. But when you head on that pathway to holiness, you discover all kinds of things inside your own heart. You, dec- you discover all kind of attitudes, obstacles, things that you don't like about yourself that God keeps reminding you of. Has anybody ever felt that? And God won't let go until you give in. He will ignore. He will let you go for a while, because he will not violate your free will. But God keeps pursuing me, because I keep pursuing Him. And God sees that with me, and with many of you, that if you, if He can speak to you, then there's a good, there's a good place. That, I should say, there's a good. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Good likelihood that God can do something with your life. Some people heard God wants. That's all he ever heard him. But God's been doing a work on our hearts for many of us. And um, because he wants us to pursue this walk of holiness and life and purity. there's one, thing, Can you imagine how, how different the world would look if purity was in the church or in the streets? Can you imagine that? Imagine a generation, young generation. You wouldn't have half of that stuff on a Friday night where the police have to get involved with binge drinking sexuality. Can you imagine how different Africa would look? Can you imagine all around the world, India, where AIDS has been infecting people? Can you imagine what our world would look like if there was purity in people's hearts? It would be a completely different world than what we understand it as now. There was, In our last series, we looked at a man called King uh, Sennacherib. He was, a, he was a king who lied. And he came and he delivered the word of the Lord. So he said, but he lied. God didn't say it. So he's speaking like God said it, but it wasn't. And Hezekiah was challenged in his heart. Do I believe him or don't I believe him? So he consults the prophet and the prophet says, don't listen to him. But in our walk of holiness, you will hear many voices challenging you. And straight away, Uh, Sennacherib says, what are you basing your confidence on, Ezekiah? And there's a voice that comes to challenge your faith. You can't just say, well, greater faith, greater provision, greater protection, because there'll come a voice challenging what you believe. That's why it has to be more than just a phrase. There will be a voice. Even that voice may have even come this morning. Oh, here they go again. I've heard him saying, I expected him to throw some new words out this morning. See, that's the voice. That's the voice already. It's stifled any, any opportunity of getting faith inside you. It's already attacked you. Oh, yeah, well, they do this every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, we do it every year. That's, that's your, You're probably right. But for those who will say, no, no, that's for me. I'll take that word. Well, tomorrow you'll be challenged about it. Next week, you'll be challenged about it. Why? Because that voice will always try to get inside of you. It's just the way it happens. Because anything, any voice that speaks to you other than the voice of God is is contradictive and it's trying to get you off the path. That is the nature of the enemy to work against what God's working in. It's his nature. So he's only doing his job. But you must do what's right in your heart. So in Isaiah 35, verse eight, Sorry, chapter 35, verse 8. A highway will be there. It will be called the highway of holiness. What kind of highway? A highway of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. And it will be for those who walk, whose walk in that way. So there's a way in that way, specific. No wicked fools, sorry, wicked fools will not go about it. So there's a place there that when you get into this highway of holiness, you begin to leave the dross behind. You're in a place and a position where certain things no longer attack you. Do you understand that? But at getting to that place, all hell comes against you. Yeah? Have you ever when you fast, have you noticed? When you fast, you feel clean. You feel really clean. You feel the holiest you've ever felt. Why? Because at that moment you pursued and pushed, and you felt you've come to a place. But then within the in that next week, very quickly your flesh starts to take over again and different voices come back. That's why fasting is very good because it cleans the heart, cleans the conscience before God. I remember when we did our seven-day fast, I said, 28 days should say, I remember saying to Phil, I don't want to stop because I feel like if I stop, I backslid. Now that's just me enjoying the place where I was. I didn't backslide, but that's how I felt. I felt I'd reached a place where I'd never felt so clean before. Am I on my own here? (laughs) That's the place where God wants us to be. But in Isaiah 62, verse 10, here we see some effort has to be put into it. Pass through, pass through. So now he's he's saying, look, you've got to do something to get onto this highway. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up. See, twice he says pass through, twice he says build up. Remove the stones, raise the banner for the nations. Now, watch how this goes. Ready? You as individual pass through. You as the individual has to break through your containment and limitations. You as as an individual have to pass through your uncleanliness to get to purity. You have to confront some issues. And that way is narrow. It's a narrow gate. Okay? You won't find the masses going through it. But God wants you to go through it. That's why God always shows you the way. He says, Tony, let's just take an example. Smoking. Smoking is not good for you. We know that naturally. But God says, no, for you, it's not good. It's going to kill you. Far quicker than you realize. This is the way. So God shows you a specific way, a specific gate to go through to get off that habit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now you wrestle with that, saying, "Well, I actually, I like smoking. I haven't got the willpower." Da, da 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 da. But when you actually say, "God, this is what happened in my life when I couldn't stop smoking," and I said to God, "I really need to get this off my life," God says, "Now that's the sound I like. Now you're now you want it. Now you want what I want." So then God opened the gate for me, and He prayed. Right, I prayed right there, and that night I'd never smoked another cigarette. That was 27 and a half years ago. Wow. Because I came into alignment with what he wanted. Because I wrestled with it for months and months and months and months. Kept trying, kept trying, failing, failing, failing. So one day I said, Lord, this is what you want for my life. I'm going for it. Came off my life straight away. There's a pathway. He says, Tony, it's the gateway. You're going to go through it? Okay, pass through, pass through. Now, when I pass through that, can you imagine if I'm a pastor and I'm still smoking? Can you imagine that? So instead of when I'm I'm greeting you outside the door, I'm having a a fag, shaking your hands, stinking the place out. Can you imagine that? You'd say, hypocrite, how can you be behind there and smoking? Would you not? So this is the pathway for my life because to get where I am now, I've got to go through certain gates. To get through where you're going in your destiny, you've got to go through certain gates. You've got to pass through some stuff or you'll never get to where God's taking you. Hello? You've got to see that what you're struggling with now is small comparison to where you're going. Hello? What you're dealing with right now is only one issue, but but if you can get through it and see where it's leading, you'd grasp it a lot quicker. Then he says, pass through. In other words, your trials, your temptations, it's a very narrow path, but it's one that you've got to walk on. Then he says this, prepare the way. So you pass through, and as you pass through some stuff, you prepare the way for others to follow. Amen? So in other words, you have to pass through some things so you can then lead and teach and show others. Now I can show others how God can break nicotine off your life. So if you can break nicotine, he can break drugs. If you can break drugs, he can break alcohol. If you can break alcohol, he can break sex addiction. If you can break that, can break anything. I just need an experience in one area to believe him to see that there's a pathway opened up now. There's a lot, far much more he can do. Yes? Just one area. If he can touch you in one area, it's just a demonstration of his power can touch you in many other areas. (laughs) So what you pass through, you then prepare the way. What you prepare the way, then he says, build up what? Didn't say build up the path. He says, now we're going from path to highway. You're moving from a path to a highway now. This is so important. Now, God is now beginning to do a unique work with you on this highway. A highway. As he's building his kingdom highway within your life. It's a kingdom now he's building. And then he says, remove the stones. Now, this is what I like when you're on that highway, which I'm on a highway now. Many of you are on that highway. This is where he does heart surgery and brain surgery. Yeah? Yeah? This is where he starts to do heart surgery and brain surgery within our lives. God's changing the way I think. God's changing the way I see things, the way I feel about things. And, and you know, sometimes you walk into a shop and your attitude's all wrong. Yeah? Yesterday I was a little bit snappy with a girl behind, a, behind the counter. And instantly I thought, why am I being like that? I recognize it inside my time. I'm thinking, whoa, why am I being like that? And then all of a sudden, for a couple of seconds, all this crazy junk came into my mind. Why? Because I was in an environment. As I walked into an environment, it it got me. But instantly, I began to recognize it. went, whoa, pull back. Pull back. If you can recognize it, you can alter it and change it. True? So sometimes you walk into environments, and what's in that environment gets on you. So you have to remove the stone. Straight away go, okay, that's a potential blockage. Remove that stone. Get it out of the way. I'll be a bit patient with her. She's only a young girl. Give it a little bit of time. You know, and then straight away you just try and throw everything out, out, out your territory. Think, no, this is wrong. Go for a walk, do something. When you come back, refocus. If you have to apologize to them, say, I'm sorry the way I spoke to you. Hey. God has to do something on the scene, right there. It's no use going back into your room and praying. If you can do it, put it right, do it right there. That's humility. Amen? And then he says, raise a banner. So you go, so listen, when you raise a banner, you're in victory. Once you raise a banner, you begin to move into a place called victory. That's why you're waving your banner. Amen? Amen? That's when something's beginning to establish when you've got victory within you, like your righteousness, your purity. Wave a banner. I'm cleaning that area. Hey, hallelujah. People might say, well, you're, you're dirty in other areas. Hey, but I'm cleaning this area. I'll celebrate where the area I am clean. I'll celebrate my purity. I'll celebrate my celibacy. Whatever I'm cleaning, celebrate it. Wave it. If you can get victory in the area, wave it. Because that's where the enemy will want to put a voice in your mind to lower your standards so you don't have victory. Then you've got defeat. Then you go down and down and down and down. Well, at one time you had victory and enjoyed the peace of God. Now you've got misery. So you've got to keep them. So straight away, it starts with one person. Then it moves to people. Then it moves to nations. It starts with me, pass through. What I pass through Personally pass through, I open up for others. So now my cleanliness, my purity affects other people. So now these people have gone from me to people to nations. Now you don't see the link sometimes between you and nations. But you might see the link between you and other people. You might see the link between you and your family, your children. That's an obvious one you might see the link between you and your people, people in your factory or your office. But you have a direct link to nations. Now let's think of this for a minute. Let's just use my life for one second. I'm here. I've got to pass through some stuff and I'll, show, I'll t- talk to you about that in a minute. You've got to pass through some stuff. Why Now I pass through some stuff and I'm, pass, and I'm passing through some stuff because I'm, I'm like you, I'm going through some stuff. Nations are here. Nations are in. Now, this is only a small gathering of the nations, but we all have more nations. But it started with one man. Yes. One man becoming clean, dealing with letting God deal with his heart, and then it affects people, so you show people how to live, and then the nations start coming. There's an example right in here. This church wasn't always multicultural. Once upon a time, this church was prejudiced, but they didn't know it. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, we were arrogant, but we never admitted it. But God's worked on our hearts. We're not those people anymore. And now, because God's moved us onto this highway, the nations are beginning to come. And as the more we keep modelling purity, more nations will come. It has to start with one person. Now, you see... You think well? You're all right. You're the pastor. How do you know where you work? You can't influence nations. Our country is multicultural. You're working with people who are not necessarily an indigenous to our nation, right? So the more people you can reach by your life, the more people you can reach. So if we can start thinking like that, we can touch nations with this purity. We can touch nations, literally. Change nations. You think, well, how can we change nations? You're in a queue one day. This is practical. Different cultures queue differently, don't they? Have you noticed that? Like, when we say queue differently, we mean you don't queue at all. <laughs> True? The British seem to stand in a queue. There's order. It's part of the empire. There's order. But then all of a sudden, other cultures come straight in. Why And you go, Why? I've got a minute, Jimmy. I've been here two, two minutes. Flesh. And you think it's your right. But guess what? Because they had a different culture. They thought it was their right as well. So two rights don't make a right, do they? So, but if you can show your attitude, you can say, excuse me, excuse me. I, know, I don't know if you're new to the country. You might not want to say that, but maybe not. You can say, excuse me, I have been queuing here, but it's okay. It's okay, I'm just letting you know. Leave it with them. See, they've got a conscience. If they don't have a conscience, leave it. <laughs> if they've got a conscience, they might say, "Oh, I'm sorry, right? It'll test your, it'll test you." Now, I don't even notice, but most of them can't drive, and they drove on the other side of the road. So, car rage is something which is common. How are you going to react? Well oh, I love this stuff. God makes change so practical. You only have to drive down home to see that most of them have borrowed a license for the weekend. This highway must be walked upon. It must be walked upon. Why? Because it's the place where the spirits of righteous men are made perfect. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace we have been saved. Yeah? Through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How many of you believe that? Well, when we begin this journey of going from clean to pure, we must define our starting point. We must define the starting point. And our starting point is that God did everything for us. God did everything for you. He gave you the gift of faith to believe in salvation. All you had to do was say yes or no. He gave you this work. It was a gift of faith by his grace, by the gift of faith. He gives you this so that you can't boast, okay? So God did everything, is that right? So you're starting from a place where your father made you clean. He did everything, right? So he made us clean. He made us righteous. He he stands us before the father. He gives us access into the heaven. But to go before his throne requires purity. And that now means that your habits, your sin, your habits, your constant sins habits, because you have them, Your attitudes now have to change. So you came to the cross just as you are. But now you don't come to the throne room that way. You come before the throne clean, pure. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So if you don't have clean hands and a pure heart, who's to say you're going to ascend? We have to understand how we came so that we can change now the way we constantly keep going before him. We cannot stay the same. We cannot stay the same. Your carnal nature must die. If you want to know if you've still got a nature, like I say, stand in a queue. Or we'll let a car cut right across you. See what nature comes up. True? See what nature. Or if someone cheats you out of your change. Want to go back and give her a piece of my mind, she shortchanged me. Well, I'll just see, it's okay. We'll just see in Matthew 13. The enemy doesn't want you building a highway, he does not want you building a highway of holiness or purity in your life. Why? So, he doesn't want it so much that he begins to sow things into your heart. He'll sow thoughts. He'll sow all kinds of things in your hearts because he does not want you pursuing this pathway. And in Matthew 13, listen to what he says. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, now the kingdom is the issue. The kingdom is the issue. What you don't understand, you cannot enter in. What you understand, you can lay hold of. This is why Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart and the understanding you understand what you've entered into do you understand this so he says this the message if you don't if anyone hears the message about the kingdom and this morning you're hearing a message of the kingdom right now i am speaking a message of the kingdom but some of you will not understand it so what you don't understand the enemy s- steals from you do you understand this what you don't understand, it's like when you're at school and the teacher's teaching something and you think, I ain't got a clue. And then they give you homework. How do you do the homework when you don't understand? Right? And then you make all the excuses why you couldn't, and your homework in. And you think it's better to do detention than to give the homework. So you find other ways of getting around it. That was my life. I remember once being in a class and I'm giving her that look and she says, she looks at me, she spots me and she says, you haven't got a clue what I've just said, have you? No, yeah, 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 of course I do. She she read me like a book. So he says, the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So what you don't understand right now is the evil one will come and snatch it away. Can you see that? This is the seed sown along the path. Before you get on the highway, you've got to travel the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he only lasts a short time. How many Christian fireworks have we seen? This morning, some of you will catch the word provision. Yeah, 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 that's me, that's me, that's me. Oh, and straight away, the enemy will steal it. Then he says this. He only lasts a short time. Why? Because he's not willing to pass through. He's not willing to pass through it. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So his provision, his protection and his progress, he goes a different way. Seen it? And he gets choked. That's the challenge that faces you this year. Will you go another way or will you do it God's way? But the seed will get choked if you go the other way. If you try and do everything in your strength, you will get choked. This parable teaches us this. It didn't happen to one man. It's a parable about what, how the laws of life work. Yes? This is not about one man. This is a parable explaining to us how the world works. When you follow down certain paths, these are the things what happen to us. You get choked and you quickly fall away. The thorns of this world, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and make it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. This is a person who removes the obstacles in his life. This is the one that lets the Holy Ghost work with him on the path. Yeah? So when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, remember, because it's always the kingdom that causes everything to manifest. It's always the kingdom. Why? Because in the kingdom, it carries the dimensions of heaven. The kingdom carries the dimensions of heaven. So Matthew 6.10 says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So God wants the heavens and the earth to become one in you. He doesn't want a separation. The heavens are not always over there. Shouldn't always be there. They should be residing in your life. If you know God, listen, we tell people that our Christianity is real. (coughs) but then we live like we don't know him we tell people that god can do anything but you've not seen a miracle we tell god that we tell people that god can change all people's habits but you keep your habits and so we're telling people that things that we have not yet tapped into but the things that you tap into you watch how convincing you are when you've touched something And you tell people. We haven't got the great suggestion. We've got the great gospel. We've got the great commission. When I tell you about what I've touched, do you see me light up? I tell you a conviction because I know it's true. Why? Because the experience is over here. Now, when you get the same experience, the amen gets louder. True? I don't want to tell people of a God that I've never met to idly know and never talk to. If that's your Christianity, that's not mine. I want to tell people that this God will speak with you. He'll interact with you. He'll dialogue with you. Heaven will open up. You can see on the other side. Really, really. Yes, that's the dimension that I'm, I'm living in. That's the dimension you should be living in. When evil comes and snatches what was sown in a person's heart, it stops the kingdom rising within you. The moment the seed's taken, the kingdom, that dimension of the kingdom is taken away from you. (coughs) Do you see that? So if God sows something in your heart this morning about provision, and you don't keep hold of it, that will stop the kingdom dimension of provision rising in your life. Church, can you understand this? This is why you must lay hold of everything by faith. There's a rocky path. I've walked down a few rocky paths in life but though it's received with joy there's no root. That's why we have to go through authentic sonship to build the roots to build the base to build the core inside us so that there is root for everything that's coming to our lives there's a root. There's a foundation there's a core there. amen There's a path with thorns on it. How many of you know if you say to your kids don't go down that don't go down that path? because John you get stung down that path. Amen. It's where the worries of life and the deceitfulness so many Christians even in this house are worrying about finance. You're worrying about your job. Come on be honest with yourself. Come on be honest with yourself. How are we going to pay? How are we going to get there? It's all right, I'm saying about provision. Yeah, yeah, but you've you got to see my situation. That's why we're saying it. But your provision isn't just for you. It's our provision. Because if you've got bad spending habits, provision will just go down the same hole. You want more of the same so you can keep doing what you're doing, keep deeper in debt. That's not provision don't give a gambler another 10,000 pound you don't give a drug addict another you know 20 pound you know the rules so the issue is is that we want to to build core foundations in our lives so that we can take this thing to the next level amen worries and deceitfulness will kill you you don't have to worry about listen if you worry and worry and worry don't worry about your food bill you'll just lose weight you won't have to buy as much food because you'll lose it. You don't carry weight when you're worried. True? As soon as you get worry off you, straight away you go back to your normal eating habits. But worry stops you eating, stops you enjoying, stops you sleeping. The Bible says, no anxiety, no fear. Nothing shall come near our tent. Hey, it doesn't stop everything trying to come near our tent. You see this? It doesn't, stop, it doesn't stop these things trying to come near us. They'll always try and come near us. Why? Because we've just said the enemy does not want the kingdom manifesting in your life. But it depends which law you want to live by. And then he says here, but there is one who takes the seed, lets the seed be cleansed in his eye, lets his heart become pure, the motives clean. Cleaned. And then he says, the then he begins to produce a harvest. You see, when you go from clean to pure, there's nothing else inside your heart now for the enemy to get hold of. Nothing that condemns you. No voice speaking on the inside of your life. Once you're clean and you're out of that woods, off that path, away from those thorns, away from that rocky place, and you get on that highway, nothing can touch you. But it's all the stuff inside our hearts that keep us on that path. The habits, the, the conscience, the, the attitudes, the all that nature keeps us going down this path. The path called struggle. But as soon as we can get breakthrough, that stuff, and let God do something with us. Some people enjoy the misery of that path. So long, they stay on it. Do you know, let me open my heart to you. I had to deal with my heart. Or God had to deal with my heart, and I had to let him in the area in the relationship between me and my father fathering is such a massive 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 issue in today's society now i had a dad that provided for me loved me never went without a meal never went without shoes so he provided for me but it was the emotional connection that i didn't have because the emotion connection is what sets a boy in order Sets a woman in order, a young girl in order. The way a father interacts with his daughter, and the, or the way he interacts with his, his son, or the way the mother interacts with the kids. It's what formulates the emotions within us. And then at a certain age, once it's broke, it's broke. And then we just manifest in our lives. We can never be loved. We're never at peace. We've got all kinds of things go on. But this issue between me and my dad was a serious issue because it caused me to be angry. Caused me. His words was I I, I never had self-esteem. I never had right standing. I never felt appreciated, acknowledged. But I didn't know that at the time. But it all just felt like a knot inside. I didn't have expressions for it like I've got now. And I remember fighting it, fighting it, wanting to kill him. You know, creating a movie in your mind, how I'm gonna kill my own dad. How I'm gonna get revenge. How I'm gonna give deliver him the best speech to get me own back. Killing me words. Anybody been there? And when my, when my dad divorced my mum or had an affair, I just it just intensified. Now I had justification to hate him. Because now he's hurt my mum. And I could see the way it was hurting my mum, which just gave me more ammunition. Let me go and give him a good hiding. Because now I felt I was a man, I could fight him. Seriously. Because my dad was six foot odd. And I thought, you know, I could never, I can't have him. Now I can have him. Does that make sense? I can have him now. And he was too small. He couldn't do my fighting for me. (laughs) So, but then there came a time. So, long story short, he's away from his mom, divorced. He gets married again, starts a family. Like, you're just going from bad to worse, dad. You've got two kids grown up, good looking, but well, one of us is. <laughs> I'll let you, Shirley and I, argue that one out. And you think, my dad starts a family which he has no intent. He can't be around long enough to look after him. So I've got this justification to, to eat. It's just adding fuel to the fire that's burning inside my heart. Don't talk with him for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, he just turns up. Now, he knocks on the door. And I'm coming downstairs and the secretary of the church that time said, there's a man at the door and he looks like a tramp. That was the words. So I comes downstairs thinking he's after money. Lo and behold, my dad stood at the door of the church. Everything inside me thought, now's the time to attack, but you can't do it on holy ground. <laughs> Take him outside and give him a good hiding down the street where no one can see you. Because this is the emotions that sin, this is the broken man talking. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Don't do it. But Lord, just let me do it. Just turn, turn your back, Lord. Revenge is sweep. I can repent afterwards. Don't do it. In the midst of pain, I can hear the voice say, Don't do it. So you've got to embrace him now. So now we go upstairs, sat in the back room. My secretary's looking at me and saying, who is it, who is it, who is it, who is it? It's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it's your dad. Yeah? We'll fill in the blanks later. Text him upstairs, sit in the back office. Now, you've got to remember, I'm sat on a desk, this side. He's sat in a chair the other side. Now, the room, it, the environment is setting a power shift. And I'm acutely aware that I'm sat behind a desk. It's a piece of wood but the esteem it gives you <laughs> for once in your life. Now I'm the big boy. This is what's going inside my life. And my dad sat there and he says, I've come to ask for your advice. I almost had to swallow my teeth. Never did my dad ever ask me for any advice. And he starts talking and it was the, the start of a road back. Cutting a long story short, he never Me one Sunday, he comes to the church, stands up, comes to the front, tells the church he's proud of me. It's like, now you're killing me. Now I've got no reason to smack your face in because now you're telling me you're proud of me. And it's like, you know what that does to someone when you've not heard those words, and it's like, God, this is not fair, you're doing it public. You're doing it public. It's not right. But all the time, God's working in my heart. Tony, don't do it. Don't do it. Go the next. Go the next distance. Go on the. Go on the mark. Sorry. Go on. The, go on the highway. Let me get in there. Let me clean out that hurt, that unforgiveness, that bitterness. What he did, he didn't just do it to you. He did it to me as well. I took. The sins of the world. I can take him. But can I have the sin and the aggravation and the pain and the turmoil that's in you? Can I have that as well? But I was saved. Why do I need any more forgiveness? I don't need cleaning. I'm clean. He says, yeah, but you're not pure. So I have to let God in. Deal with my heart. It's the most vulnerable you ever have to be. But you have to be transparent with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you guys... We're in the background. What I personally push in through, I can lead you into. But I didn't think like that at the time. Now I can talk to anyone about fathering issues. Why? Because I passed through that stuff and now I'm pure in that area. I can tell you what it'll do to your life. I can tell you there's only one loser. Why let somebody else who did so many things to you ruin the rest of your life? Because that's what'll happen. There's only one loser, and it's you. You get hurt, you get mangled, you get distraught inside. Why? Because you can never put right what you want to put right, your way. God says, that's right, Tony, it's not your way, it's my way. So you have to go through it. So when he tells me he's proud of me, it's like, oh, God, Dad, don't do that in front of the church. I've now got to embrace you. He said, that's right. That's right, this is my way. This is the highway. I had to embrace the world. My son had to do the same thing. I did it public. So then we build the relationship to the point where there's peace, there's purity. Everything's in the relationship. And only God can do this. When my dad died, he died on his own in the house and I was the one who went in the house and found him. But the difference is, is when my father died, I didn't feel pain. I felt joy. Not because he died. I felt joy that God had completed the circle. I'd, I'd been pure in that area before he died. My issues were sorted out before he died. Can you imagine if he died? I'd been wrestling. God, I should have said that to him. God, we should have said that. And then I lived regret and remorse. But God completed the circle in my life. So when I find him in that state, and it's not a nice state when someone's been dead for three days, two or three days, but it's, I just saw the hand of God in it all. How? He stands from a tramp to so now I'm holding him in my hands, looking down at him. He's dead. But everything's dead inside me, not because I, I refused to feel. I felt joy. That God had completed the circle. Now you can't think like that. If God hasn't done a work in your life. I tell you it's a powerful thing. This highway cost you. And then. I'm in leadership. And then my mentor. The man, the man that I loved. And, and and felt God had given me in my life. Became my tormentor. And it was God was saved. Now we're going to another level Tony. And. When all that stuff broke through and my mum had died, my father had died, and now the church is against you. And it's just like one thing after another. And it's like, you're doing a quick work here, Lord. But it feels like it's forever. And then God says to me, I'm in Spain, write him a letter. You're joking. I want to kill him. Oh, I'll write him a letter, all right. God says, no, no, no. You'll write him a letter with love him to death. And it's still one of the best letters I've ever written to this day. Why? Because the Holy Ghost wrote it. And I write this letter, we post it, and Carol, Carol look at me, and Carol look at each other and think, we do not want where this letter can go because we don't know what it's going to meet on the other side. Pain and uh, turmoil, frustrations there. And you think time heals things? Time heals nothing. Just lets you forget about things. And then once, one smell, one song. It's all back. It lies there. Don't ever think time changes anything. It doesn't. Because you don't live with it. You think it's gone. No, 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 it's there. It's waiting for its opportunity. The enemy knows when to strike and where to strike. We post the letter. What I didn't know is that when my mentor was in America, God had told him prophetically that he was going to receive a letter. But I didn't know how it would be met. So he sends the letter, prays about it, knew it was God. Sends a letter, gets a beautiful response. We go for a meal. You know, in the meal, you don't have to talk about what went wrong. Because God had done a work in our hearts. God had done a work in his heart. And when we came together, we had a beautiful time. Carol and I were just looking at each other and thinking, this has just got to be God. And to that day, we have a good relationship. I, can't, I climbed... Um, or Phil calls it a walked, Ben Nevis, right? Who did I walk with? The very man that God had restored back to my life. So we walked the road together. And, and it, I felt the joy of the days we once had. All I'm telling you is, is that on the highway, God has to get on the inside of your path so you can get on His highway. Because <laughs> you're on a path and God's, now that path can be to destruction, But God can get into your path. He can get you on his highway. Do you see that? This is real stuff. This is real stuff. I really believe that though you define where you start, don't let where you start define where you finish. I started forgiven, but I need to conclude pure. I need to be pure inside me. Everything needs to be pure inside me, I should say. And let me just give you something very quickly. How do you stay pure? How do you stay pure? It's very simple. Do you want me to give it to you? Remain in the vine. i me just turn to John 15. I haven't got the slide. Well, I don't know where it is now. I've completely changed the my uh, tact. So... Come on. Just shout when you see it. Come on. Well, if you've got your Bible, go to John 15. This thing's, can you see? It? Is that, there you go. Hey, Holy Ghost. John 15. I am the true vine. The vine is God's highway. The vine is God's highway. Because it's where his work's carried out. Watch. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. Where? Come on, say it with me. Where does it cut it? In me. Where does it cut it? In me. That bears no fruit. While every, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean, ready? You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. But there still needs to be pruning. There still needs to be a work for the gardener. But you're already clean, but there still needs to be a work. Can you see that? Right there. It needs to be a work. So he says, if you remain in me and I'll remain in you, that's the condition. No branch, no branch, no matter how special you are, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, it must, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And let me just open this a bit. Hang on. And, uh, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do nothing. He keeps telling you the same thing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers, such so branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. In the previous scripture I read about the thorns, I didn't read the next scripture that I was going to take to you, but it talks about in the end days how the, the thorns and the thistles, or the wheats and the tares, are side by side. So right now, let's just say he fills the wheat and kernels the tare, right? We want to bring purity and cleanliness into the house. But in that scripture, the Bible's saying, leave it until the end of the age. And at the end of the age, it'll separate it. But we don't have to wait till the end of the age. The Christian doesn't have to wait till the end of the age to get the wheats and the tares out of his life. He can remain in the vine. And if he remains in the vine, the father will prune us. The Father will do a work in us so that when the end of the age comes, there's nothing to be separated in me. I'm already clean. There are some people that will not allow you to work on their lives so the end of the age will have to work for them. But we're not the end of the age people. We're walking with him. We're working with him. He's working with us. He's fellowshipping with us. So we can remain in the vine and the promise is that he'll prune me. And everything that doesn't bear fruit in me, he'll cut it off. And what does bear fruit, he'll prune, so it comes even more fruitful. That doesn't tell me that at the end of my life, I have to worry about what's in there. If I walk a clean life, why should I worry about the end of the age? Think about it. The more you can stay clean, the less you have to worry about. So he says, I'm the true vine. What vine? True vine. My father is the gardener. He's an expert gardener. He knows exactly how. He knows what fruit he's trying to produce. He knows where to cut you. He knows what needs cutting off inside your life. You don't, but he does. That's why he speaks to you. Watch. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Who's bold enough to say I've got branches that are not bearing fruit? Because if you can't say yes to that, then you're denying yourself. Are you kidding yourself? This is the journey of moving into purity. Right there, I recognize I've got branches. So I need to put an olive branch out to God. Give him something to work with. Oh, don't, don't, don't prune it, it's hurting, it's hurting. Of course it hurts. Of course it hurts. Forgive your father. Oh, let's, let's try another one, Lord. I don't like that one. Forgive your father. Forgive your father. No, I've got rights to kill him. Forgive your father. Yeah, but look what he's done to my mum. Forgive your father. Yeah, but look what he's done to our Shirley. Forgive your father. But look what he's done to me. Look what he said to me. Shut up, Tony. Forgive your father. How clear do I need to make it? Forgive. That was a branch that needed pruning. Well, he didn't need pruning, he needed cutting off. So now, so now, when it's pruned, it's b- bore fruit in that area. Now, anytime I allow myself to think about the areas I never got as a kid, guess what? I'll produce something else. I have to be completely peaceful with my relationship with my dad. There was areas that didn't work out, acknowledged. but guess what? They're gone. Forgiveness said they're gone. they don't matter anymore. I don't, have to, I don't have to put them into my sons. My sons don't have to carry the scar or the second generation pain. My sons are free from that. I interact with my sons differently than the way my dad interacted with me. That's so important. Why? Because that's, that's evidence that you've cut it off. A new behavior starts. So you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So we've got some element of cleanliness, but we want to go to Purity. Amen. So, you're already clean because of the word I spoke to you through the receiving of salvation, God's word is heaven's cleaning agent. God's word is heaven's cleaning agent. It won't stop until it's cleared your heart, purified your heart. Are you getting the picture, church? We're going for something here. Yeah. We won't stop. <coughs> we won't stop until God's got it all out. Yeah. And then He says, remain in me. And I'll remain in you. That's all we want. God, we want you to come. We want you to live. He said, remain in me, Tony. Get the church to remain in me and I'll remain in them. That's the promise. That's the promise. It's not sweat. We don't have to labor for it. Just stay there. Be convinced about what we're working out. This is referring to God's word for unless God's word remains in us, we'll never bear fruit. My father is the gardener. Your father is the Is the gardener. And you know what? He went right down to the root in my heart with my father and my mentor. He went right down to the very root and he cut it out. And he went, Tony, this will never cause you any more problem. And you know what? It's beautiful to be clean in that area. And now, now when I talk to the men about man up and I talk to them about fathering, how much more leverage do you think that gives me? Now, I know that every son has a problem with his father. I know that. But I also know every son has a problem with his father. In some area or not. So I let the Holy Spirit speak to the men. Now, I've got an opportunity to go and speak to some men from a church that I've never been to before. Phil's been there before. Now it's my turn. I was surprised and I thought, God, you're doing something. You're doing something. So I have an opportunity. Now I'm going to talk to them about manning up, facing this whole area of fathering, purity, clean. Get it out of there. Why? Because I feel that this is my strength. I can talk to them without any pain. I can cross them over into this dimension where they can be clean and pure in this area. I'm so glad what started with me is now affecting others. And now it's going to move to nations. Church, go for it. Stay clean, stay pure, sort your issues out. Let God sort your issues out for you. I got two minutes. Can I just finish on two? We give you something here. It's gonna help you. Give you a principle. Live by the light. Live by the light. Live by the light. In John 14, 30, it says, Satan has no hold, no power, no distraction over me. This is what God wants for your life. Can you imagine to have an area of your life where Satan has no hold on you? Can you imagine that, church? Listen to me. Can you imagine to have areas in your life where Satan has no hold on you whatsoever? You're not struggling. You don't have to worry about something. You don't have to. You're not. You're not struggling. When you close your eyes, you see pictures and images. You're cleaning that area. It's a beautiful thing to move from clean to pure in that area. Jesus knew that when Satan gave, Satan gave his best, did his best to try and stop Jesus going to the cross. Not only did he, not only could he, couldn't do it. He couldn't stop him resurrecting neither. But he stood there and he says, "Don't worry about him. He's got no hold on me." That's exactly the position that God wants you to have. Over your own emotional life. That is emotional stability personified. When the enemy of your soul has no hold on you in what area area of your own emotion. But guys, let's be honest. We know there's areas where we're vulnerable in. We know there's areas where we're not strong in. We know that. But our our goal is to come to the place where God can work in our hearts. Where we can look at the enemy in the face and say, you have no hold on me in this area anymore. And that's when we raise the banner. Amen? High visibility, maximum impact. So live by the light. Second one, live by the power of yes and amen. When God says it, come into agreement. Live by the power of yes and amen. This is so important. The yes and amen is spoken by us. Principle number three, trust God implicitly. In Psalm 121, sorry, 25 verse 1, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endure forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Trust God for the courage to go through the stuff you have to face. Trust God. Trust him. You must trust him that he will not expose you beyond the level. He will not let you go beyond temptation that you cannot bear. Trust God. If you put it in his hands, he'll bring it. He's your father. He's your father. He'll protect you. If you're willing to put it in his hands, listen, when you're willing to put your heart, if I'm going to put my heart in David's hands here, how many of you know that's the most vulnerable I'm ever going to be? Right? Because I'm I'm on display. That's the point when in your weakness you become strong. Because that's when God comes to your aid. Because at that point in time when you're giving your heart to God, he's the shadow of the Almighty protects you. When you're willing to become vulnerable and transparent and accountable, that's the point when God overshadows you the most because he knows you're the most vulnerable. You're wide open, you're naked. So he puts his arm around you so nothing can get there because he knows you're vulnerable. Naked is where is how you came in, and naked is how he wants you to remain in front of him. Can you see that, church? When you when you give when you're giving your life out to God, you listen. When you give your life to God, and you and you get all the issues out of your heart, you're doing it with other people. You're not just doing it in your own prayer time because you need to help. That's when by by trusting somebody else to speak into that is put, that is submitting under God's mighty hand. Do you understand this, church? You don't just do it with you and God. You've got to go and talk with the right person who can help you. That is vulnerability. That is countability. That is transparency. And it's at that point when you feel naked, sharing it, that you're under God's mighty hand. God's mighty hand is the fivefold ministry. And as you come under that mighty hand, that's when God protects you the most. Because he sees you're vulnerable. That's why so many Christians never enter into purity because they will not let their lives become accountable, transparent. Oh, I tell you, I'm so glad I'm on this side. So glad. Prince embrace restoration. Embrace it. Don't fight your pain forever. Embrace the restoration. Whatever it takes, go through it. Whether it's the letter, whether it's, taking your father upstairs and sitting behind the table and acknowledging some things, whether it's allowing him to come to the front of the church and put his arm around you and say what he says. Embrace restoration. Come on, embrace restoration. Embrace restoration. I'm going to say it again, embrace restoration. That's the one thing that we fight against. I don't want to do it. I'm going to look like this. I'm going to feel like that. Embrace it. Be bold enough to embrace what needs to be dealt with. And then the last one, move from being a victim to a victor. Yeah? Move from a victim to victory and becoming a victor. Proverbs 4, 20 says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your For they are life to those who find them and health to a whole man's body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. And take only the ways that are firm." Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Wow. My sons and daughters, if Christ was speaking to you now, which he is, he would address you as my sons and daughters. And he would say, pay attention. Listen to my words. Listen to my words. He'd look in your eyes. And he'd look, into, uh, I can do this with Carol because she's obviously mine. He'd look in her eyes and he'd say, I see the pain. I see the level of abuse. I see the level of hurt and distrust. And he'd look right into her eyes and he'd say, trust me. He'd say, embrace, embrace restoration. Let me cut off all the branches that are not bearing. Listen to me, church, listen to me. Let me cut off the branches. Let me go deep inside your heart. Let me prune your very heart. I see you hurting, my daughter. It hurts me to see you hurting. So let me go in there and deal with it. This is God's heart to us. Only God can speak like God. Only God can be God. It hurts God to see you hurting. It hurts you. It hurts him. Please, please, pay attention to his words. You know, one prayer is not going to fix what years have destroyed. That's why restoration is a process. It starts with a decision today to embrace restoration. It starts with a decision today to embrace the process of me needing fixing. It could be your father. It could be your mother. It could be your children. Anything, but I know in this room there are hurting people, and I and I know enough to know that hurting people hurt people, and we've hurted, we've we've hurt in, in many many areas. But we don't, not all hurt is, is destructive. We can learn from some hurt and move on. But the deep seated hurt is deep seated because it's never been dealt with, and that's why it's deep. And it runs through the very emotions of our life. It cuts years of our life. We don't realize it. People die early in life and get sickness and diseases because of unforgiveness. It releases all kind of toxins into our body. Unforgiveness does that. That's why God says choose life. Choose health. Walk in this way. Stay on the path that's only firm. Let's choose the firm path. Let's stand to our feet. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them. Is anybody finding these words this morning? And it's health to a whole man's body. Any health, anybody can feel the health rising straight away. As soon as you receive the word, health comes in. Above all else, he says, above all else, make it the top priority to guard your heart. For it's the wellspring of life. All the issues flow out of your life. And all all heaven flows into it. Put away perversity. Change your language. Change your crass talk. Change your jokes. Change all that's of the old life. Get rid of it. Clean up. Let's start there with the language. Let's start how you talk one another. Small swear words. They they're still bad. If I can say words like sod, sod still swearing. Find another word. Because that's all it is, you know. You find words because you want to swear, really. So you find another word, but your heart is swearing. Change your language. Start the journey today of moving from clean to pure. Change the way you talk to your wife, to your husband. Change your pet names. It's derogatory in some cases. Change it. Don't reduce your partner by your words. Move from cleanliness to purity. Church, are you with me? He says, my son, pay attention. God is trying to say something to us. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart for the life to those who find him and health to your body, to your body. Words are health. Wow. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your, from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level your path for your feet. And take only ways that are firm. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Let's raise your hands, if you will. I dealt with two fathers when I had my issue. I dealt with my natural father and my spiritual father, my heavenly father, I should say. And then I had an issue in my spiritual life with my pastor, my mentor. So I've dealt with issues in my spiritual and my physical life, my emotional life. Two areas that can for sure mess you up. But God had to... Get on my path and deal with me in those areas, physically and spiritually. Church, it would be so easy now to call you to the front, get you to make a commitment. No, I'm not going to do it. This is something that you need to work out. This is something you need to choose. Because you know to embrace the the process of restoration has to be your conviction, has to be your choice. My prayer to you is not going to fix that because when you start the process, you won't stay on the, on the path. So it has to be a, the choice of yours. But you will not fix this on your own. Do you know how I know that? Because you've lived with it all these years. You need help, the right kind of help. You willing to let go of it is the start of your help. So this morning, I pray right now in the spirit. I ask, Father, for a release, a release in the heavenly realms, a a release in the soul. I open up the heavens and I open up the earth, oh God, so that heaven can invade the earth. Lord, the days of heaven are going to kiss this church. They're going to kiss the life of every believer in this room. So, Father, this morning, we invite heaven. Come on, invite heaven right now into your life. In those areas where you know that you're, you're aware of, invite heaven right now. Come on, begin to talk to the Lord. Invite him. Activate your spirit. Open your mouth. Speak into those areas. One prayer is not going to work, work from me. You have to invite and acknowledge heaven right now. It needs to come into that area. Right now, invite heaven. Say, heaven, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. That's what God spoke when there was darkness. God exposed the darkness and spoke. Let there be light. Learn to live by the let it be's of God. Let it be light. Then move into the yes and amen, Lord. I embrace what you're saying this morning. Yes, I yes and amen. I embrace this word. Yes and amen. Move in my life. Work on the path. Take me through it, oh God. Oh mighty God. Mighty God, oh mighty God, work on the, on the principle of remaining in the vine. I'm going to remain in the vine, oh right now. Yes Lord, I'm going to remain in the vine. Righteousness Lord. Number three, embrace restoration. Go on embrace it Lord, I'll do what it takes to get what I, the free, I need to be free oh God, I need to be free of this, I need to bring this issue to an end. Oh, I'm going to move from being a victim to a victor. I'm going to raise my banner. Lord, help me raise my banner in this area. Help me raise a banner. Come on, church. Some of you got a flag when you should be waving a banner. Your banner declares you're free. Your banner declares something very, very personal to you. Let your banner be raised. A flag can have somebody else's slogan on it, but a banner has yours. I am free. No more a victim. I'm a victor. I've entered Zion. Heaven's touched my life. I'm pure. I'm clean in that area. Let your banner dictate what you, let your banner say what you want it to say. Oh, mighty God. (coughs) Father. Be willing to go and do something about it. you'll have to wait for another sermon to make you cry only to stay in your your, your pit longer sermons are not meant to make you cry oh father we want you in our hearts Lord keep the heavens open We we started this morning by saying keep the heavens open Lord let the river flow let the river flow in this house this morning. In Jesus' name. Hey. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Church, some pretty strong stuff's been said. We're not letting up on the clean to pure. It's been so easy to preach a motivational message on, in another area, but no, stay. There's one thing <laughs> God can trust me on is staying on the path. I won't let go. There's still more areas on this clean to pure. We ain't finished yet. You'll say, man, when's he gonna get off it when we're clean and pure? Yes. We'll keep going. We'll just keep going until we hit every area. I'm gonna ring all your bells. Amen? Amen? Amen. Your motives. Everything's going to be out there, amen. Oh, I love this thing. Listen, if you can get where I am on the other side with my dad and my me mentor, it's a beautiful place to be. You've got your place. You've got your other side. That's where you got to get in a boat and cross over. You got to cross over on the other side. Because I tell you, there's so much freedom on this side, so much freedom. I'm looking forward to going and helping those men. See, the voice, the voice of experience. He's better than the man with an argument. Amen? Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I expect to be blood, snot, tears. Why? Because that's how the Holy Ghost is going to move. Men crying. Hey? Yeah. Tell you. I love it. See, you think I'm talking, don't you? You think I'm just talking now, don't you? You think, shut up, let's go for panini and coffee. Because the Holy Spirit's not finished. When, when you minister, there comes a point when end is end. But the Holy Ghost is not finished. So easy to walk. You cannot just walk out the presence of God like this. You cannot just walk away. When, like, when, when people's hearts are literally open this morning, we've ministered so people's hearts are open. We cannot just walk away and dismiss it. God has to do something in our lives. We're either serious with him or we're not. I know not everyone is serious, but I know I'll labor for those who are. Just open, open your hands a minute. I want to sign off knowing that the Holy Spirit said everything he's saying. Lord, we want your work in this area, Lord. We said keep the heavens open. The heavens are open for a specific reason and for a prolonged period of time. Lord, you told us to get in the boat and cross over. For many, Lord, we've made that journey this year of crossing over, knowing that our assignment's on the other side, knowing that there are further challenges on the other side, but at least we're on the other side. We're away, from what, we're away from the side that once contained us, but now we're on the other side. I hear the Lord saying to you, stay on the other side. Stay on the other side. The other side is what was destined for your life. Some of you have not fully seen the other side. You're still in that boat, but he says at least you're still in the boat. Keep moving towards the other side. Many got out the boat last year. Many chose to abandon ship. Many chose to stay on the side, never, never mind getting in the ship. He said, but many of you stayed and did what, what I asked you to do. Many of you got in the boat and you went through the winds, you went through the storm, but you stayed in the boat. And the Lord says he's pleased. But that's only after journey. There's, there's going to be strong ground on the other side for you. Firm ground for you when you, get off the, when you get on the other side. He said, but you must cross over to the other side. Because this is where you're going to find your healing. This is where you're going to find your restoration. There's going to, that's why I'm providing stronger ground for you. So that you can build your life so that you can enjoy the peace, so you can enjoy protection, so you can enjoy provision, so you can enjoy progress. My desire is for you to have all those things. This is the God of heaven who speaks to you today. I desire my children to be free. Hear the word of the Lord. Pay attention. Take the words and let them become life and health to your spirit, soul, and body. Let there be light. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, let there be light in this room. Let there be light. I dispel the darkness right now through the decree of letting there be light. Lord, let the light of heaven, let the righteousness shine like the dawn into every heart. In Jesus' name. This is the highway of holiness. Mm. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you all. Lord bless you. If we can put the chairs away and uh, get the toys out.